0: Thank you for choosing Minatrista Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Minatrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at Minatristachurch.org. Praying. I would say thank you to Bo. He's not here. He filled in a few weeks ago, and then Mike filled in last week. It's good to know that we've got people in our church that will step up and uh, share Uh, from the pulpit, so thank you guys. Yeah, Wednesday is going to be a big night, we're going to have a barbecue, and then we're going to have our uh, uh, decision as to who will be the champions of the summer, the men or the women, and I had to make it a game where there was no skill, okay, because uh, if it had skill, I could pretty much tell you that the men would probably lose, alright, so... (laughs) Time out. Time out. I don't know. Okay. So anyway, yeah, that's going to be this Wednesday night, and uh, then we're also going to talk about what we're going to be uh, looking at for Bible study over uh, when we start back up again in September. All right, we are doing a series uh, entitled "Who?" Well, entitled "The Holy Spirit," and our uh, sermon title. This morning is right at the very get-go. Who is the Holy Spirit? We're going to look at that passage in Romans. If you have a bulletin on the back side, is an opportunity for you to take some notes. And on the back side of your bulletin, it says this. Man has two great spiritual needs. And the first is forgiveness. And God answered that spiritual need at Calvary. And uh, if you want to turn there, if you just want to listen, Colossians... I think, explains this uh, act of offering forgiveness uh, by what Christ did on the cross beautifully. Colossians chapter 1 and uh, verses 19 through 22. It says this, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile... That was Karen's word, wasn't it? Karen, wasn't that your word? Redemption. All right, well, very similar. Reconcile uh, to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So God made peace with mankind, forgiveness. That's one of our greatest needs, and he did that at Calvary. And then another one of our greatest needs is goodness. How do we live now that we are saved like God wants us to? And God answered that need at Pentecost. And we will take a peek at that need in Acts chapter 2 in a moment. Billy Graham once said, I need Jesus for my eternal life and I need the Holy Spirit for my internal life. I need Jesus for my eternal life and I need the Holy Spirit for my internal life. Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit has been ignored, misunderstood, and misused in most churches today. So, for the next few weeks, we will be studying the Holy Spirit. And the first question that we will ask, and hopefully answer, is who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? This is doctrinal study, and sometimes doctrinal study is difficult to put application into. So, what I want to do is let you know that the first few verses that we're going to be looking at are for your application, are for application. And so, who is the Holy Spirit? If you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit very simply is, simple answer, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And I've listed some verses here that I will have us look at to show you that God is unfathomable. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, God is unfathomable. God is unfathomable. And and if that word does not not normally just, just, just flow off of your tongue, it is kind of a difficult word to say. But it means that God can't be explained. And these verses will show that. But again, there you go. We got another preacher down there. But they are also meant, like I said, as an encouragement because the God I love and serve, I want to be unfathomable. I want the God I love and serve to be beyond my comprehension. So let's take a look at a few of these verses. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 and uh, verses 33 through 36. This is what it says. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay Him? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things... To Him be the glory forever. And then, Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46. And while we were at camp last week, and by the way, uh, thanks for allowing me to go. And in the bulletin there, you'll notice that there were 30 decisions while we were there for uh, children to become brand new brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ followers. But we learned some songs, and, uh, and they're Bible verses, and that's a, that's a good way to memorize Scripture. But one of the Bible verses we learned last week is Isaiah 46, 9, and uh, we'll add verse 10, but we just basically learned Isaiah 46, 9, the second part. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember the former things those of long ago, and this is the verse we memorized. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. And if I remembered the tune, I'd sing it to you, but I don't. But that's a great Bible verse. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. But then it goes on. I made known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come? I say, I love, I love this verse. I, sometimes I don't like this verse, but most of the time I do. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. I mean, that just tells you that I am. Uh, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. And I will do what I will do, and my purpose will stand. I mean, that, that's, that's an encouragement to, to me, like I said, most of the time. Isaiah 40, and again, this was one of the verses we learned at camp. Isaiah 40, 25 and 26. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. To whom will you compare me, Or, who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. And then if you really want to spend some time discovering who God is, you got to go to the book of Job, and the last few chapters, we won't read all of Job 38, 39, 40, 41, and 42, but that's your homework assignment. Job is having a hard time, and uh, he's questioning what God is doing. Job 38, 39, 40, 41, and 42 are God's answer back to Job. And uh, if you want to discover that we have a great and awesome God. Read Job 38, 39, 40, 41, and 42. These verses show that God is unfathomable, and as we try to understand from a human perspective, we try to explain God, we will always come up short. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. If we, in our human way, try to explain who God is, we will come up short. But thankfully, the Bible does give us some insight. And remember we say this, the Bible is our ultimate authority in what we believe and how we behave. What we believe and what we believe concerning the Trinity is found in the Bible. And so we're going to look at the Trinity just for a moment. The Trinity, the Trinity is one of the most important doctrines in the Bible. And it's one that's hard to understand. And even in trying to understand it, we misunderstand it as well. And so what we try to do is we try to use things that, that kind of are uh. true to us to kind of try to explain the Trinity. And many of you have, uh, yeah, I know it. Many of you have heard that we try to explain the Trinity with an egg, you know, as an egg. you got the shell, you got the white part, you got the yolk. But it's just all one egg. Well, that's, that's pretty weak of an explanation, but we try to do that, especially with children. You sometimes use water. You've got steam, you've got liquid, and you've got frozen. It's all water, but it's got three distinct uh, things. We, we sometimes use it, as, a, as try to explain God, with a three-leaf clover you know you got you got three leaves on the clover they're all they're all one clover but you got three you know and of course all of those explanations that we try to use fall short of explaining who God is the doctrine is a mystery and we'll never be able to fully understand it but we can look at the bible and see what scripture teaches and scripture teaches at least three truths concerning the trinity And I'm going to give you all three of the notes, and they are this. God is three persons. God is three persons. The second point is each person is fully God, and there is one God. Okay, so these... Now, you know, if you really get a a, a clue as to what we're talking about here, your brain's just going to kind of explode a little bit. God is three persons. Each person is fully God, yet there is just one God. That is the Trinity in three truths, and we'll talk about those for a moment. God is three persons. Three distinct persons. We call God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not the same person with just different responsibilities. Like, you might be a dad, you might be a husband, and you might be a farmer. Okay? So, that's one person with three distinct responsibilities. But God is three distinct persons. Not just three distinct responsibilities. Three distinct persons. And I'm not going to give you all these verses... There are a lot of them, and I think what I might do is just make a copy of the verses and put them out, so that you can have them next week. But if you want to write some of these verses down, that show that God is three persons, three distinct persons, verses like John one one and John one fourteen, John sixteen verse seven, Hebrews seven twenty five, show us the distinct persons of God, the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the second truth that Scripture teaches is this. Each person is fully God. So we have God is three persons, and each person is fully God. God the Father is clearly and fully God. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God the Son is also clearly and fully God. If you're still in Colossians, you can look at Colossians 1, 15 through 19. It says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn is not firstborn as in firstborn. Firstborn is in importance. He is the most important of all creation, in all creation. For by Him all things were created. Well, wait a second. Didn't, didn't Genesis 1, 1 say that, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? Well, here it says, For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn, again, uh, most important, from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So God the Son is also clearly fully God. And if you go to Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, and again there's, there's lots of verses that we could go to, but 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, includes all of them. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so, God the Father is clearly and fully God. God the Son is also clearly and fully God. God the Holy Spirit is also clearly and fully God. The third truth that we can learn from Scripture is there is one God. One of the most important Bible uh, verses in the Old Testament is the Shema. That's the Hebrew word for here. The Shema is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Worship the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know that verse, the Shema. There is one God. Isaiah 46.9, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. James 2.19, you believe there is one God. Good, even the demons know that and tremble. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God. Now, practically speaking, why is the doctrine of the Trinity so important? Well, here it is. If Jesus were not God, he could not take our place on the cross. If Jesus were not God, he could not take our place on the cross. Uh, A created being could not die for our sins. If Jesus were not God, he would not have the authority to save us. If the Holy Spirit were not God, how could we have God's Spirit living inside us and guiding us into all truth? So, the Trinity is important. I was was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking, 1800, let's let's just say the year 1800. The people walk out their front door and there is a Ferrari parked in their driveway. Okay? That is covered in mud. Just covered in mud. What we just did was we made a tiny, tiny little scratch on the window of that Ferrari and all the people of 1800 are able to see is just that little tiny scratch and maybe they'll get a little glimpse of what's inside the interior of the Ferrari. Now, that that's kind of what we did here in giving you the doctrine of the Trinity and what? 15 minutes, Uh, it's big, it's big, it's beyond our comprehension, but I think most of us have been around church long enough to know that God is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We'll get into that a little bit more as we continue our study. A couple of other things briefly. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus. When Jesus was teaching and preparing His fathers, uh, his followers with what would happen in the next few hours. Now, where we find this uh, teaching on the Holy Spirit is John chapter 16. John chapter 16 is not in chronicle, uh, uh, chronological order. John chapter 16 really is happening in uh, the upper room during communion. And so Jesus is explaining to them what's going to happen concerning his death. And he's giving them pretty much last will and testament that uh, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is telling his followers in John chapter 16 that he is promising somebody that will come after him. And we'll look at that verse in a moment. He promised that after he left, he would not leave us as orphans. John John 14, 8 says that. But that he would send God the Holy Spirit to be our helper, comforter, constant companion and friend. So we'll look at that verse, John chapter 16 and just verses 5 through 7 is the Lord's promise to His disciples that He really needs to go away. He needs to go away so that He is able to send them the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter 16, 5 through 7. Now I am going to Him who sent me, yet none of you asks me where are you going, because I have said these things. You are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away, unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send Him to you. We're going to look more in depth at that chapter in the next few weeks here. But the Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to die on a cross, and then i got to go away. And when I go away, I will send you the Holy Spirit. In fact, you, want, you really want me to go away because I am one, the Holy Spirit is... Omnipresent, omnipresent, and so can infill you after I go away. And then as we shared at the beginning, man has two great spiritual needs, forgiveness and goodness. God answered the goodness part when he sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was delivered at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was delivered at Pentecost. So let's get this this uh, picture real real good here. Jesus dies on Passover... Pentecost is 50 days later. Pentecost, uh, penta, meaning 50. It's another Jewish holiday that's 50 days later. So Jesus dies on Passover. A couple of days uh, go by. Uh, so it's about day 48 or so. Jesus ascends 40 days after He rises from the dead, remember? And then the disciples have to wait about 7-8 days... And they're gathered together, they're praying, uh, they're being unified, they're picking a disciple to take over for Judas. Remember that in the book of Acts? And all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 2 and 1 through 4, the Holy Spirit is uh, delivered at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, explains how that happens. So if you want to take a peek at that real quick. Acts chapter 2. So that is the beginning of the Holy Spirit being unleashed, if you will, on the early disciples and later church. After the Holy Spirit is released, Acts chapter 2, verse 5 through 40, Peter preaches this Pentecost sermon filled with the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the sermon, some 3,000 people were baptized and added to their number that day. And that's when the church was born. That's when the church was born. We are part of the birth of the church that happened in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 4, verse 4, another 5,000, were told, were added to the church. So now, in just a few short weeks probably, there's 8,000 new believers And of course, to that number, billions and billions more have been added. And it all started after Jesus left, and the Holy Spirit was given to believers. Now, at the bottom of your bulletin, it says this. The good news is that we no longer have to wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. Actually, I put down here, the Holy Spirit is waiting for us. The Holy Spirit is waiting for us, and we're going to talk more about that next week. But how is the Holy Spirit waiting for us this morning? Well, I want you to take your hymn book, and uh, Mary, we're not going to sing this song unless I don't think we know it. What? No, I don't think we're going to do that because I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to have the congregation suffer any more than they've already suffered with my Holy Spirit songs. I have actually. Uh, decided that we would read this song instead of, uh, in, instead of singing it. Because sometimes, I think, if you read something, maybe it gets into your brain a little bit more. But I think this song, as we close, answers the question, how is the Holy Spirit waiting for us? So it's number 392, if you want to look at it in your uh, hymn book, 392. And it's entitled, Holy Spirit, Light, Divine. 392 let's bow our heads and then we'll use this as uh, kind of our closing song and I think it, it gives an indication as to what the Holy Spirit wants from us let's bow our heads Lord we do thank you for your word again we just thank you for listening to our podcast Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture biblical obedience community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.